This is the Daily Signal podcast for Thursday, February 1st. I'm Virginia Allen. A church in Ohio is facing a legal battle after it began opening its doors to the homeless and needy in its community. Now, Pastor Chris Avell is fighting to continue during the work that he says Scripture commands the church to do. Well, on today's show, I am sitting down with Pastor Chris and First Liberty attorney Jeremy Dice to talk about why the church God's Place in Bryan, Ohio, is taking steps in order to be able to continue to minister to the people that they feel they are called to minister to. Stay tuned for our conversation after this. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Conaparo. And I'm Zach Smith. And we host SCOTUS 101. It's a podcast where you'll get a breakdown of top cases in the highest court in the land. Hear from some of the greatest legal minds. And of course, get a healthy dose of Supreme Court trivia. Want to listen? Find us wherever you get your podcasts or just head to heritage.org slash podcasts. Case is submitted. It is my joy today to have with us on the show First Liberty Senior Counsel Jeremy Dice and Ohio Pastor Chris Avell. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, Pastor Chris, you pastor a church called Dad's Place, I love that name, in um, Bryan, Ohio, and you're actually facing legal challenges right now as you're pastoring that community, those folks that attend your church and who have come to your church in order to find additional resources, additional help. We're going to get into some of those legal challenges here in a second that you all are facing. But first, I want to talk a little bit about the community that you work in, the history of the church. Share, if you would, what is the community of Bryan, Ohio like? And who are are the people that are attending your church and that rely on the resources at Dad's Place? Well, let me start with the community because... Uh, God really blessed me in a remarkable way. So uh, I've shared before, I used to be an atheist and, and whatever, but I've always loved Christmas time. You know, I, again, as it, you know, secular people like Christmas too. Uh, and my wife and I moved to Bryan, and there's a story there, but again, I wasn't a Christian when I moved. And I, we come to find that there's two things Bryan is really known for. One is Spangler Candy Company. And they not only make dum-dums, uh, the, the lollipops, I'm not... Don't take that wrong. And, but they also make the candy canes. Like they're, I, th- I think they're the leading supplier of candy canes around the world. And, and so I'm like, that's Christmas. And then the other company we're known for is a company in Ohio Art, which makes the Etch-A-Sketch, which was featured in the movie Elf, which I, <laughs> I like the movie. You know, so, yep. so, I mean, I mean it sincerely. I moved here and I'm like, wow, God sent us to the world of Christmas. You know, Elf and candy canes. And uh, it's cool. just a lovely community, a beautiful downtown. Um, it really looks like you've jumped into a Norman Rockwell painting over Christmas time. Just incredible with the, the lights and the scenery. Um, and the sense of community here has always been incredible. Uh, my wife and I grew up in the Chicago area, so much bigger, the suburbs. And, and uh, we noticed right away when we walk into a restaurant or something here in Bryan, everyone looks at you. And at first we're going, what the heck? <laughs> and then we realized it's because everyone knows someone. You know, mm-hmm. they're, all, they're all just waiting and excited to greet someone. And, and uh, it's an incredible community. We just love it. Um, and the people that come to our church are um, a bunch of different makes and models. Let's say God makes all different types. And uh, it's incredible because we have some, you know, a nice, healthy population of youth and uh, some older people as well. And uh, 
we we tend to, to reach um, what I would refer to as the least of these, mm-hmm. um, and it's it was kind of our heart from the beginning. As I said, I was an atheist, and my first church experience as an adult, I didn't want to be there, um, and I felt very uncomfortable um, I, because I didn't want to be in church, and it looked and felt like nothing I was comfortable with, and so everything for the, the name, as you noted, the name's Dad's Place. Um, it's intentional. One, it's Dad's Place. It's Abba, Father, right? It's God's Place, and we wanted to make that clear, and two, it's meant to sound non-threatening, you know, without some big name that could be scary to the people we're trying to reach. We wanted to reach the people that were unchurched, um, let's say the lost. You know, we didn't just want to be another church where we'd, you know, there's nothing wrong with being another church, but Brian has so many great churches. That's another thing yeah. about Brian. We have amazing churches in Brian. And so um, we didn't want to just present something of the same, right? We wanted to reach people uh, that ha- hadn't stepped in the walls of a church or weren't comfortable in church and People who may have even been, we literally have some people who've been kicked asked to leave other churches, and that's okay. I'm not, those churches had right reason. Um, so hopefully I answered that question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, you did. You did. That's beautiful. How long have you been pastoring at Dad's Place? Since 2018. Okay. Well, quite a few years now. So you all made a decision last March that you wanted to live out the gospel in a really practical way, and you decided, hey, we have people that live in the community of Bryan, Ohio, that need a place to sleep at night. They're homeless. They might be have hit hard times, and they need a roof over their head. And so you decided we're going to open up our church for that purpose. Explain that decision and what that has kind of looked like over the past almost year. Sure. Kind of, sort of. I, I sometimes get credit for being much nicer than I truly am. <laughs> no, for real. Listen, um, our, our decision to open up, one, it was a vision God gave from before the church came to be. Uh, it was actually mm-hmm. seven years between the, God, the time God gave the vision for the church and we opened in 2018. Um, but then he told us to wait on the 24 hours. And the 24 hours was not uh, intended to be strictly, hey, we can be open and help the homeless. And I appreciate that. I know that's a great message going out there. But our, our message was, hey, um, we're called to reach the lost 24-7, the hurting, the broken, the least of these 24-7. And that may uh, that person may walk through the door um, having be a millionaire because I believe the words of Jesus where he says it's hard for the rich to get in the kingdom of heaven. And, and so we're there for everybody. Um, and, and so I get some more credit than I deserve for having this heart for the homeless, and I do have a heart for the homeless. But this is truly about the lost. This is truly about... Um, the disenfranchised, uh, for the people who, when they look um, maybe at the church in, 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 in a global sense or in a national sense, and they don't see Jesus. And, um, and I, I certainly can't claim we do it better, but I, I, I do believe God's called us to do it perhaps a little differently in our mm-hmm. community because the other churches do it so well. They do what they do quite well. So you all made the decision there's going to be no point when the doors of our building, of the God's Place building, are locked. That anyone in this community can enter through here, whether it's 2 o'clock on a Tuesday or 3 a.m. on Sunday night. They know that they have a place that they can come that's safe. Yeah, a place they can come if they're weary and burdened and find rest and uh, true rest for their souls. That That's the idea. And... Um, 
you know, it's kind of, I see this when I read the Word of God, kind of this idea that um, God has opened us, uh, no matter what we've been through, no matter where we stand, if we just kind of answer the door, right? He stands at the door and knocks, you know what I'm talking about? If we just answer the door, he comes in and he what dines with us and us with him. And, and um, so it, it, that's part of the vision, you know, is just to be that place 24-7 because God has equipped us to be able to do that. And so it was, it was time. So do you all have folks on staff who are constantly staffing the church then 24 hours a day? We have um, volunteers. You can call them staff. Uh, You know, if the difference is a paycheck, they're volunteers. (laughs) Forgive me. But but who do so willingly and do so quite well. And one thing that's absolutely marvelous, miraculous, and beautiful is these aren't the people you would identify. What I mean by that is no one would have picked these two guys out and said, hey, these are going to be the guys God will call, right? And I think that's remarkable because I think we see that in Scripture, that God so often calls the people we would overlook. Like, if I could say so, I know I'm long-winded, but our worship leader is an 18-year-old girl named Addie who has um, autism. And uh, if you have a conversation with Addie, you'll notice she has a very unique voice. It's like gruff and it's, it's bizarre, if I can use the word. And uh, and so no one would have looked. Uh, we were praying for a worship leader, and no one would have looked at Addie. Like, that wasn't your first thought, right? You look for, there are people, and, and maybe another pastor was helping out and say, hey, maybe this person can come, and this person can come. And one Sunday morning, Addie goes up, and she just starts leading worship. Wow. And it was one of those moments where you just saw it, and you go, this is God at work. And from that, and man, the tears were flowing, the hands were raising, people who never really understand what it meant to worship in spirit and truth before were worshiping God. And uh, you just look and go, wow, God, that is not who I would have expected. And yet you truly, God does that because then all the glory goes to him, right? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so again, sorry for these long-winded answers, but I'm passionate about this. And so, yes, we have people there 24 hours, and they're not the people you'd expect, but they do it incredibly well. So you all opened the doors 24 hours. That happened for several months. And then the city of Bryan, Ohio, came to you guys and said, hey, um, we have some issues with what you're doing. What was the city objecting to? What is the city objecting to about y'all having your doors open 24 hours a day? Well, pardon my, if this is wrong, Jeremy can correct me, but I, my hope would be that's how it happened. Um, what happened from my perspective was they showed up one morning with a sign uh, and a letter saying we were violating the law and uh, that we had 10 days to stop um, without providing, from my perspective and my attempted outreach, what I believe I did, um, any remedy or any uh, any way to work together or, or even any understanding of what was exactly expected of us other than stop. And so um, it was quite surprising when that happened, quite unfortunate when that happened. And it seemed that right away, um, from my perspective, their ears were deafened. Like there was just, at that point, it was too late. And so um, it, it, it wasn't the way I would have hoped it happened. Um, and it was hard, very hard, very scary for the people. We have a lot of people who would, would have been diagnosed with something like PTSD, um, anxiety, all those type of things. And this put great fear in them. You know, they had a place where 
Uh, and I don't mean in the sense of this is where I stay. Okay, I mean in the truest sense of the word, they had a home for the first time. Hmm. Somewhere where they belonged, somewhere where they were loved, somewhere where they experienced um, the true love of Christ. They had a home. And can you imagine how terrifying it was for them um, to have these guys come, a police officer, a zoning guy, things above their head, to be honest, come and threaten their home uh, and and to, to witness that uh, as a pastor caring for his flock, to witness the fear and the anxiety, the stress. Um, their their peace was broken for a moment. Yeah. And uh and that was just heartbreaking. That is. It's that question of what happens now and, and what's gonna happen to me. Jeremy, I, I wanna pull you in here. You're uh first liberty serving as, as legal counsel to, to Pastor Chris as they navigate this. When when that letter was delivered to them, when they were told, Hey, you guys have to stop doing what you're doing explain what exactly the church was the city was telling the church you can no longer do x y and z what was their rationale and what were they demanding that they stop well according to the city dad's place has converted itself from being a church and into a homeless shelter which they believe is a change of use from the approval that the city had previously given for them to be a church well of course that's not true this is a church and they're doing church things in fact caring for people and having their doors open 24 hours a day is something that the church has done uh, well I mean immemorial it goes all the way back to to Moses and to you know probably even uh, Roman culture or Greek culture where they would have the literal sanctuary right where you could seek refuge from those who pursue you Uh, and so it's it's something that the church has always done in fact there's been novels written about people seeking shelter inside of a church Uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame comes to mind uh, and other things like that. So this is just a church being a church. Um, it just so happens that one of the greatest needs in Bryan, Ohio, is for those who are, for one reason or another, unhoused. There's a housing crisis in Bryan, Ohio. There's not enough places for people to seek shelter. And so for, uh, for, for this church to act like a church and provide a place of safety for those who are either unhoused or Uh, Perhaps they just need a place to get away from some instability at their home overnight or for the day or something like that. Uh, Now the city has been uh, putting the the squeeze on this church to abide by its rather onerous ordinances that uh, ratchet up in terms of uh, aggressiveness. Typically, in my experience in litigating these cases for a decade, the city will sit down with a pastor, sometimes their attorneys as well, and figure out a way to move forward. Well, that didn't happen here. Instead, the city went all the way to the end of the line and filed criminal charges against this pastor for trying to do the right thing. And now there's a lot more that happened, of course, between the first notice of this occurring and the, and the criminal charges being served on the pastor, outside of his church, on Sunday morning, in front of his parishioners as he's walking into the church building to lead worship services. But there's not less than that that has occurred. It's just been one act of intimidation and bullying by the city after another. Now, of, of course, so many cities have various zoning laws and, and strict regulations on what you can and can't do in certain spaces. You know, what would you say to, to the argument of, well, you know, the city is just kind of operating within its rights that 
that it has written down and laid out as it relates to um, something as as wonky, but as zoning laws. Well, there's a lot to be said on that. Number one, they're, they're not abiding by their own zoning laws. And to the extent that they are, they're using those policies in a discriminatory manner, inconsistent with the Constitution and federal law, as we've alleged in our complaint just filed. Uh, but to the extent that they uh, have laws that require certain things of churches and other houses of worship in their area, well, by no means would, this, would the church want to avoid any of that. They have sought their appropriate permissions. They have received the appropriate permissions previously to become a church in that area. Uh, I'm, I, I should remind everyone that before Dad's Place moved into this building, it was used as a church by another church. So it's not like this is an uncommon thing in the city of Bryan, Ohio. It was only when people started hanging around there that the city rather would rather not, you know, occupy their, the set of an otherwise beautiful Hallmark movie. You know, Pastor Chris talked about the town being Norman Rockwall kind of thing and, and this beautiful Christmas set. Well, there's a lot of Hallmark movies that might take place in a town like Bryan, Ohio. But, you know, the clientele that this church serves may not make it to the front stage of that Hallmark movie, uh, which is unfortunate and leads us ultimately to the question of, well, where do they go? It's clear that Mayor Schley doesn't want these parishioners at this church near her pretty downtown square. So where does she intend to put them? Perhaps she would like to invite them inside of City Hall for them to seek shelter there. She's not made that offer. Uh, Maybe she has a church uh, that she attends that she would like to invite them to come and find safety. That offer has not been made either. Uh, So I don't know ultimately what her motivations are, but what she is saying through her various agencies there in Bryan, Ohio, is that these unloved and marginalized people continue to be unloved and marginalized by the very city who's supposed to account for their safety. And here you have a church that's not only accounting for their physical safety, but caring also for their soul, something the city cannot do or do very well. And, And the thanks that they're getting is to have their pastor arraigned on 18 different criminal charges. That's unacceptable. And that arraignment just happened earlier in January, correct? That's correct. Okay, great. Where do where do things stand in the legal process right now? What stage are we at? What's next? Yeah, well, hopefully we're, 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 we're on two tracks. One is uh, criminal, one is civil. On the criminal side, Pastor Avell has pled not guilty to those charges, and we're going to be vigorously defending those charges and trying to avoid any uh, conviction uh, that he may stand for uh, before a jury there. Uh, but on the civil side, uh, we have adjusted things uh, with the city. Uh, we, we've tried to, to kind of right the power imbalance that has occurred. Uh, just yesterday, we filed a federal uh, complaint uh, in federal court uh, listing 10 different ways that the city has violated the Constitution and the federal law that governs this situation. Uh, we're seeking not only an injunctive relief to keep the city from using their ordinances in a way that discriminates against the free exercise of religion by dad's place, but we're also seeking punitive damages against this city who has gone beyond what is reasonable into the category of what the Supreme Court calls callous indifference. Uh, and I think that could, is the best way to describe what Mayor Schlade and her uh, city leaders are doing to this church. They have been callously indifferent to the needs of this church, uh, and certainly they've been indifferent to what is required of them under the law of the, the Constitution and the laws of the United States. Pastor Chris, I think that for you, you know, so many people have, I know, have uh, applauded the work that you have chosen to do at Dad's Place of of serving the least of these really in, in many ways and people that in a moment need help, need support. But then it's a whole other conversation to say, 
not only are we going to do that, but we're going to keep doing it against opposition. We're going to fight to keep doing it. Why are you continuing this fight and saying, hey, I'm going to dig in here and I'm I'm willing to even fight a, a legal battle over this so that we as a church can continue serving the people that we feel called to be serving? Well, I, I, I believe that ultimately I'm answerable to God. And um, I, I honestly can't help myself. Like, I, I love God. He rescued me. Um, he saved me from my sin and from death. And um, I, I just, I love giving gifts. And this is the way I can give gifts to my God. And I, I truly uh, cannot help myself. Um, and so I don't want a legal battle. This is not uh, something that drives me at all. I don't um, get any joy out of this. I've got to stand firm. Um, I, I've got to continue to do the work God's called me to do and trust him throughout the process. And uh, Lord, forgive me. I'm not always great at that. I, I There's been times where I've just been praying and going, God, this is so much. This is so difficult. Um, it would be so much easier just to walk away. Um, but man, I, I can't. I just can't. Um, my love for him moves me to do these things. And and so we'll continue. Yeah. Jeremy, do we have a sense of the timing of how quickly this could be resolved? Well, it could be resolved right now. Uh, Mayor Slade could simply withdraw the charges against Pastor Chris, and she could uh, move away from directing her fire chief, police chief, and zoning enforcers to uh, inappropriately apply the ordinances of Bryan, Ohio, against this town in an effort to intimidate and bully them out of the, out of the downtown area. She could end this today, uh, and we would welcome that very thing. Uh, but it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. And so if that's the situation, uh, the next thing up legally for us would be to do a little bit more briefing, tell the court uh, our arguments. And then in the very beginning of March, there is a hearing scheduled on, uh, on, on our request for an injunction. Uh, and at that time, I think it'll be real clear. Is the city prepared to defend itself and its illegal and unconstitutional behavior? Or is it more concerned about the people of Bryan, Ohio, including its churches, and how they're sending a message that churches and those on the edges of our society are unwelcome where all the pretty people are, are supposed to be. Uh, and so my hope is that Mayor Slade will see the great benefit that Dad's Place provides to Bryan, Ohio, and stop its actions. It's bullied one church out of the downtown area already. They're 11 miles away in another town now. They're trying again to bully this church out of the downtown area. Unfortunately, they've run up against the Constitution, and they're not going to be able to do that. Pastor Chris, I want to give you the last word here. You mentioned that you know, so many of these um, challenges right now that you guys are facing, that it is frightening for those that have come to rely on Dad's place. What's your message to the people in your church, to your congregants right now? What are you saying to them to encourage them and let them know that your guys in that you all are in this, you're in the fight, and to kind of keep the faith through this challenge. Yeah, well, first, my message to them is we walk by faith, not by sight. And, and we know that whatever happens that we can see out here, God's working behind the scenes to make all things good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And my main message to my church is um, we don't repay insult for insult but we repay insult for blessing. And so our responsibility as the church is to uh, not heap on the city, the mayor, the police. Um, we allow our legal counsel to do our th their thing. 
And our, our responsibility is to um, bless those who persecute us. Our responsibility is to pray for them. Um, and we've encouraged our church to, again, represent Christ well in all of this. And, and so we're not, we, don't pick up, we don't pick up a sword and cut off of the ear of the very people we're trying to reach, as maybe Peter might have done, not to throw him under the bus, right? <laughs> Who were here to heal the ear, as Jesus did, and, and uh, so that maybe they might be able to hear our message, which is that um, Christ came um, because all men had sinned, and uh, while we were still sinners, he died for us. And he rose again so that we might have eternal life in him. That is the message of the church, that all who would repent and put their faith in Christ will be saved. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your willingness to join, to explain this situation, to share your heart, Pastor Chris. Um, This has been just really, really a blessing to get to hear the work that you all are doing, Jeremy Dice of First Liberty and Pastor Chris Avell of Dad's Place in Bryan, Ohio. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. And with that, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Daily Signal podcast. If you have not had the chance, make sure that you check out our evening show every weekday around 5 p.m. We bring you the top news of the day. These are the headlines that you need to know to stay informed. Also, take a minute to subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you like to listen and help us reach more listeners by taking a second to leave a five-star rating and review. We'll see you right back here around 5 p.m. for our top news edition. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.